Zavarian Dramatics presents Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol, a podcast play. Episode 3, The Christmas Present. Who's there? Who's there? Scrooge was under the covers, and he intended to stay there until he knew he was safe. A strange voice called him by name. Ebenezer Scrooge, you can come out now. Scrooge obeyed. He looked around. It was his own room. There was no doubt about that, but it had undergone a surprising transformation. The walls and ceilings were so hung with living green. The crisp leaves of holly, mistletoe, and ivy reflected back the light as if little mirrors had been scattered. Heaped up on the floor to form a kind of throne were roasted turkeys, geese, hams, red-hot chestnuts, cherry-cheeked apples, juicy oranges, luscious pears, immense twelfth cakes, and seething bowls of punch. Upon this throne there sat a jolly giant, glorious to see. Come here. Come here and know me better, my boy. The spirit's eyes were kind and clear. I am the ghost of Christmas present. Look upon me. Scrooge did so reverently. The spirit's eyes were clothed in one simple Christmas robe bordered with white fur. Spirit, conduct me where you will. I went forth last night on compulsion, and I learned a lesson which is working now. Tonight, if you have aught to teach me, let me profit by it. Now that's a sound I like to hear. Saddle up, dearie, because this will be an adventure. The holly hams and all the like vanished instantly. So did the room, and now they stood in the city streets on Christmas morning. The people made a rough but brisk and not unpleasant kind of music in scraping the snow from the pavement in the front of their dwellings. Kind spirit, you and your sister, the one I met earlier this eve, where do you come from? We are born of necessity. We take the earth to help those who are too lost in their familiar world. What after that? What after they find their way? Do you lie long? My life upon this globe is very brief. It ends tonight. But my life off this globe is an eternity. And so can yours, Ebenezer, so can yours. Scrooge heard the spirit's words, but his eyes were occupied by an unfortunate sight. Straight before him, a man had shoved another into the darkness of a nearby alley. He took the man's coat, his shoes, and all his possessions. No one seemed to notice but Scrooge. Help! This man needs help! How quickly we've forgotten. No soul can hear you, nor can they see you, and you cannot intervene. This sight upsets you. Of course it does. There are some upon this earth of yours who lay claim to know us, and who do their deeds of passion, pride, ill-will, hatred, envy, bigotry, and selfishness in our name, who are as strange to us and all our kith and kin as if they had never lived. Remember that, and charge their doings on themselves, not us. I will. I will remember. They went on, invisible as they had been before into the suburbs of town. The spirit led Scrooge straight to the home of Cl Clerk Bob Cratchit. 
He positioned Scrooge before a window, and the man and his giant watched the excitement inside. Up rose Mrs. Cratchit, Cratchit's wife, dressed out poorly in a twice-turned gown. She worked on the wash, assisted by Belinda Cratchit and the younger of her daughters, also brave in ribbons, while Master Peter Cratchit plunged a fork into the saucepan of potatoes. What has ever got your precious father then, and your brother, Tiny Tim, and Martha weren't as late as last Christmas Day by half an hour? Here's Martha, mother. Why, bless your heart alive, my dear, how late you are. We had a deal of work to finish up last night and had to clear away this morning, mother. Well, never mind, as long as you are home. Sit ye down before the fire, my dear, and have a warm. Lord bless ye. No, no, there's father coming. Hide, Martha, you should surprise him. Wonderful, Peter. Oh, this is so fun. Martha hid herself, careful to remind little Belinda not to give her away. In came Father Bob with his threadbare clothes darned up and brushed to look seasonable. Tiny Tim rode proudly on his father's shoulders. Alas for Tiny Tim, he bore a little crutch and his limbs supported by an iron frame. That boy, he belongs to Bob Cratchit? Indeed, his pride and joy. My, it's colder than a penguin's tailbone out there. Hurry, Tiny Tim. Warm yourself by the fire. Hurry you too, Father. Warm your tailbone. And how did little Tim behave? What do we say, Tim? How did we behave? As good as gold, Mother. As good as gold and better. Somehow, he gets thoughtful sitting by himself so much and thinks the strangest things you've ever heard. He told me coming home that he hoped the people saw him in the church because he was a cripple and it might be pleasant to them to remember upon Christmas Day who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. Bless his heart. Where's our Martha? She's not coming, Father. Yes, she's not coming. Not coming? And on Christmas Day? Here I am, Father. My Martha, brilliant. Oh, Martha, you should have hid for longer. I know, but I couldn't bear to seem so disappointed. You could never disappoint me, my dear. Wonderful, the whole family together. But if you're thinking I'm fixing the whole supper with just myself, you'd be mad. Such a bustle ensued. Mrs. Cratchit made the gravy hissing hot. Master Peter mashed the potatoes with incredible vigor. Miss Belinda sweetened up the applesauce. Martha dusted the hot plates. Bob took Tiny Tim beside him, and the small lad helped his father carve the roast goose. That's it? Where are the toasted chestnuts? Where are the candied yams? Where are the tarts, the custard, the biscuits and tea? Perhaps his employer should give him a raise. But don't be deceived. The Cratchits are nourished by more than just this meal. Bah! At last, the dinner was all done. The cloth was cleared, the hearth swept, and the fire made up. All the Cratchit family drew around the hearth in what Bob Cratchit called a circle, meaning half a one. And at Bob Cratchit's elbow stood the family display of glass. Merry Christmas, dear. Merry Christmas to us all, my dears. God bless us. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas! God bless us, everyone! The clerk lives quite a rich life. I never knew. I never asked. 
You see happiness, and happiness is present. But study the man for a moment. Deep inside, do you see his dread? Do you see his wish? What wish? Please, gods, don't take my Tim away. Spirit, tell me if Tiny Tim will live. I see a vacant seat in the poor chimney corner and a crutch without an owner, carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. No, no kind spirit. Say he will be spared. He can't go. He, he can't. Will you decide what men shall live, what men shall die? It may be that in the sight of heaven, you are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's child. Scrooge bent before the ghost rebuke and, trembling, cast his eyes upon the ground, but he raised them speedily on hearing his own name. I'll give you, Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. The founder of the feast, indeed. I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon, and I hope he have good appetite for it. My dear, you would do this before the children, and on Christmas Day. It should be Christmas Day, and I am sure a day which one drinks the health of such an odious, stingy, hard, unfeeling man as Mr. Scrooge. You know he is, Robert. No one knows it better than you do. My dear, please, Christmas Day. My goodness, does he like me? It surprised me as well. Come along, we have more to see. The ghost sped on, leading Scrooge to another home. It was a great surprise to Scrooge to recognize it as his nephew Fred's. It was a greater surprise to see that he was hosting a party. Your piano's quite good, Bill. Well, thank you. And dinner was just lovely, Francis. It was my pleasure. Fred, what's new with the old man? Indeed! Come on, Fred! You always have something outrageous to share. He said that Christmas was a humbug. As I live, he believed it, too. More shame for him, Fred. He's a comical old fellow. That's the truth. And not so pleasant as he might be. However, his offences carry their own punishment, and I have nothing to say against him. How rich is he, Fred? Come on, tell us. It's no matter. His wealth is of no use to him. He won't do any good with it. He won't make himself comfortable with it, and he certainly won't benefit us with it. I have no patience with him. I have. In truth, I am sorry for him. I couldn't be angry with him if I tried. Who suffers by his ill whims? Himself, always. Here, he takes it into his head to dislike us, and he won't come and dine with us. What's the consequence? He won't lose much of a dinner. Well, I disagree. I think this is a very good dinner. Should we play a game? Yes, let's do it! Fred stood before his guests for a guessing game called Yes and No, where he could only answer their questions yes or no. Uh, a gizzard. Badger. Badger. Ooh, ooh, emu. Yes, badger. Is it an emu? After a brisk fire of questioning, the guest elicited from friend that he was thinking of an animal. A live animal. Rather, a disagreeable animal. A savage animal. An animal that growled and grunted sometimes and talked sometimes. It talks? Yes. This animal lived in London and walked about the streets and wasn't made a show of and wasn't led by anybody and didn't live in a menagerie. A fish. It's a bloody lion. Uh, I knew it. It's a lion. 
horse. No, it's a badger. You couldn't possibly be more wrong. It was not a horse or an ass or a cow or a bull or a tiger or a dog or a pig or a cat or a bear. At every fresh question that was put to him, this nephew burst into a fresh roar of laughter. Oh, you found it out! Oh, I know where it is, Fred! It's your Uncle Scrooge! He has given us enough merriment, and I am sure it would be ungrateful to drink to his health. So here is a glass of mulled wine, ready to our hand at the moment, and I say, Uncle Scrooge. To Uncle, to Uncle Scrooge. Scrooge. Come now, darling, be a sport. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to the old man, whatever he is. Here, here. He wouldn't take it from me, but he may have it, nevertheless. I've rejected too many years from this fine young man. In truth, I admit, he reminds me too much of my dear sweet sister, little Fan. His voice rings too close to hers. You hold your sister's memory so near, yet you push away the last tangible piece of her. I can make this right. I must. I can see clearly now, spirit. Maybe this Christmas tradition isn't so terrible after all. The time is drawing near. Keep up with me. Are you taking me back to bed? Not quite. Much they saw and far they went and many homes they visited and with each always a happy ending. There's not always happiness on Christmas. I must show you one more vision. The spirit took Scrooge to the most forgotten corner of London. The walls were dark and the streets were wet. Scrooge noticed a mound of waste rotting nearby. Its stench nearly knocked him to his knees. Scrooge could see the life of worms, maggots writhing through the refuse. Scrooge jumped. Someone or something was nearby, behind the mountain of garbage. It's all right. You can come out now. On command, two tiny, filthy orphans crept towards the spirit. They hugged its ankles, desperate for touch. These poor creatures were so neglected that only a thread of humanity covered their bruised bodies. Spirits are... These yours? These are man's, and they cling to me, appealing from their fathers. The boy is called ignorance, and the girl is called one. Beware them both, and all of their degree. But most of all, beware this boy, for on his brow I see that written, which is doom, unless the writing be erased. Slander those who tell it ye, Admit it for your warring purposes, and make it worse, and bide the end. Have they no refuge or resource? Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? They mock me. I didn't know. How could I have known? Tell me what to do. There must be something I can do. You know the answer to these questions already. Stop asking. Go. Do. The bell struck twelve. 
Scrooge looked about him for the ghost and saw it not. Hello? This was unlike the previous encounter. Scrooge was not returned safely to his bed. He was alone in the streets of London. Scrooge looked about. He did not recognize a way home. Hello? Scrooge felt a familiar feeling. The feeling of being completely alone. But not quite. Is someone there? Scrooge turned around and lifting up his eyes beheld a solemn phantom, draped and hooded, coming like a mist along the ground towards him. A Christmas Carol is made possible thanks to the support of the Zavarian administration, President Robert Lisi, Principal Deacon Kevin McCormack, and the endless time and talents of our students and their families. On behalf of everyone involved, we'd like to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And we'll see you next episode.